Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The series is uh, Jesus is Lord. And today we're going to, the title of the lesson is called Calming the Storm. And I was just actually this morning thinking about this, just the title, Calming the Storm. And I thought, you know, we have a saying that... um, that we have a tendency, and I guess it means different things to different people, but when life smacks us with something and it just won't go away, uh, we just say, you know what? I live in the real world. In other words, I may call myself a Christian and live my best as a Christian, but I have issues just like everybody else. And so that's what, and it may, it'll, you know, that that meaning I'm sure will vary, but we're just saying what affects them is going to affect me in certain amount of ways. So we're going to have storm, we're going to have issues, we're going to have problems just like everybody else. Um, but in saying that, um, and speaking of this lesson, you know, just what I said about, um, about time. Uh, time doesn't heal all wounds. God is a healer of the broken. So I want to look at this the same way in, in the process. I know we live in the real world, but I don't want to give the world the credit because if I say I'm a Christian, I don't want to forget the spirit that he's put inside of me because in the real world, he's given me his spirit to deal with the real world. And just so that's what this lesson is going to deal with today. Um, it's calming the storm and we all are going to have storms and I wish we didn't but we do and the one verse that I'll read is is this is uh it's first Timothy three sixteen, and it says without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the Gentiles believed on in the world and received up in the glory now This Old Testament mystery has been revealed in our God, Jesus, because we see that. And in Colossians, it tells us, in Colossians 1, 14 and 15, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And just as sure as he told Thomas, he said, If you want to see what God looks like, just basically look at me. And it says, we was made in the image of God. In other words, you know, I've always joked, but it's a point. If you you want to know what God looks like, if the sun is shining, go outside and look at your shadow. We are made in the image of God. And therefore, uh, the Bible says that Jesus is the image of the invisible 
God. So we know that he was, it, it wasn't coming just to see this. He said he was justified. He was proved, proved himself in the spirit. The angels, and what must it been like? You know, I don't really know. It's speculation on my part just how much the angels may have comprehended at this point. Because here, they was with God. They've seen the cherubims. That's all they do is holy, holy, holy. And they see God go take a body. And then all of a sudden, the body that he inhabits, they see that body die. They see the humanity side of him die. And then in three days, they watch that body receive that spirit again. So the angels is watching this. And then they see days later that that body is sent back to heaven. So he was seen of angels. The gospel's been preached to us. We see this happening. Now, and, and I want to read, um, let's go to Mark. This is what the um, lesson is concerning. It's Mark. And let's read Mark 4, and let's start at 35. And the same day when Eve was come, he saith unto them, Jesus, let us pass over unto the other side. And when he had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that now it was full. And he was in the hinder part of the sheep asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, we're picking this up in Mark, but it's at the end of this chapter. Now, but what happens, you really have to go back to the beginning of Mark and start there because this is where the beginning of this starts to happen with the Lord concerning what's happening right now. The Bible says that he has been talking in parables. It's been a long day. And we see this side of Jesus where he is just preaching in parables. And he comes, and by this time, it is drawing to the evening. And basically, we get just like he was. He's just wore out. He gets back, and then the disciples even come to him and say, Why, why are you just talking to them in parables for? And, uh, you know, we could speculate, speculate on that as much as we want. But God is just saying, you know what? He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. The truth is going to go forth. How much am I listening for it? Am I going to hear what's being said? Or am I just too busy just doing something else while I'm at church? God said, I'm going to speak to them. It's up to them if they want to hear what's going on. And the disciples, you know, like, really? Really? Why are you talking in parables? He that hath an ear, let him hear. So all this is happening, and he's speaking in different parables, so we come to this point, and literally the crowd is so backing up Jesus that he literally has to get into a boat 
and row and, and go out into the water a little bit because he's pressed so much. And by this time, he just says, look, I'm just tired. Let us go over to the other side. So they just, you know, get where he's just wore out. And he just said, I've had enough. And I don't know if one guy is just like, you know, hey, just, you know, one guy's just hanging on. I ain't taking no for an answer. Let's just talk. And Jesus just said, you know, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but I don't have nothing. I don't have nowhere to lay my head. I'm doing what I was called to do. And then, but in the verse where it says, and they took, um, and he said, let us, he sent them away. And in verse 36, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him in, in 4 and 36, they took him even as he was in the ship. Now, some believe that Jesus had already went to sleep. They're passing over. Either he was he had come back to the bank or he was asleep in a boat, and the boat that he was in was not what he was supposed to go across in. So where it says they took him as he was. In other words, they moved him, and he was asleep. So the point of the lesson in this whole parable, in this whole section of him calming the storm, is here is the disciples is going to see and witness firsthand both sides of God. So here they, they see the humanity. They're with Jesus throughout all the day. They see the healings. They, they hear the truth going forth. They see the ones that is just sitting there, just as, as we know, that would hunger and thirst after righteousness. And they see the ones there, you know, like, when is this going to be over? And the disciples is witnessing this. And then they see the Lord. Where's Jesus? Is that him asleep? And the Lord is so exhausted, he is asleep. And they take him and put him in a, put him in a ship or a boat, ever how you want to look at it, and they go up. He is just wore out. And he is asleep. And one other note. This is the only time in Scripture, to my knowledge, that you'll ever find Jesus asleep. There's a reason for this. It's part of the lesson. The Lord is exhausted in his humanity. So they see this. They're a witness to this. So you can just imagine the disciples. Take it easy. You know, I believe at this point, we see later that they recognize who Jesus actually was. But at this point, they're just moving a man. They just pick him up, put him in the boat, be careful. Lay him down easy. Let's move him. So they get, they move him. Now, they're going over to the other side. Jesus told them, or asked them, or commanded them, ever how you want to look at it, let us go over to the other side. So it wasn't like they got in the storm or, are we really where we're supposed to be? That is why, that is why what us as children of God, knowing what we ought to do when things go wrong, don't stop thinking, am I doing the right thing? Rebuke that enemy and know you're doing the right thing. So when they got into the middle of the storm and they're thinking, you know, what, or, <laughs> is this really where we want to be? No, the master had said, go to the other side. So as bad as it gets, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So they, they're going to the other side. So here it is, and then there's really and truly no account 
that gives such a perfect day in the life of Jesus as this. Because the disciples is going to witness this. And here is their Lord, the one they had been around. And they're just looking for him. And they find him asleep. They put him in a boat. They're going to the other side. And then they see him. It is just, I don't know how much they're involved in his ministry. But what must it be like? We've seen people that have fame. And, you know, it's like when they're coming up... Uh, in their, in their status symbol, so to speak, they want to be out there. They want everything. And then when they get their status symbol, why don't everybody just leave me alone? But here's Jesus. He has got where he, you start healing people and touching people and changing people's lives. You ain't going to be able to move. You're going to be touching elbows. So it's been that way all day with the Lord. And they're seeing what he's done. Literally, he has just poured himself out. You talk about a sea of faces. He has poured himself out for humanity. So the disciples is watching this. And then he, we had seen what had happened. And he, he took and he's, he's doing this. The diseases, the people that's reaching for him, clawing at him, just, just wanting to touch him. Because in their mind, this is who I need to get to. If I can just touch him, I can get what I need. And just, they don't have nowhere else to go. They're not looking for nowhere else to go, so to speak. I know someone told me that they seen him heal somebody. So I know if I can just get to him, I can find deliverance. I can find healing. I can find someone. So I'm not taking this as just, hey, man, come see this dude. No. This is who I know I need to get to. So they're going. They, they draw close to Jesus. And, but then, and then truly, here's his main inner people that is puzzled by the parables. So Jesus breaks it down and tells them, you know, and, and just said, look, these are my words. They can't understand what I'm saying, but they're going to have to have a heart to hear What's being said. Because it is just. And then. It, it, I'm not talking just to be talking. In other words. What I believe Jesus was doing. I'm going to give this truth. But it, how much? How bad do you want it? As we would say. How bad do you want it? And I'm telling you. I, I'm not, I'm not, I do not want to make it sound. That it is so hard. That you have to scratch your head for it. I do not believe that. I do not believe that. Now. Jesus uh, was with them that we should uh, consider the sea. We shouldn't assume that the sea. Uh, and the one thing too, the, the, the Jewish people, they did not like the sea. You can read, they did not like the sea. They didn't like to be on the sea. They talk about the fishermen though, but they did not like the sea. So, but they knew where you talk about the, the wind and the waves and the sea, they, they just didn't like the sea. Um, but they knew that the sea was ultimately under the sovereign act of God. But they would rather just stay away from it. So, they, so the Israelites, they tended to fear it, stay away, avoid it. But here it is. In the beginning, they say it had to be divided for in order for creation to unfold. We see... The apocalypse beast rising out of the, the sea in the book of Revelation. John heard it. He compared Christ's voice to the voice of what? Many waters. 
So after hearing this, John fell at his feet to convey the idea of the kind of peace that prevails in heaven. And then when Jesus is on the sea, it's not like as we would think the Pacific or something. It's what we would refer to as a lake, basically. It's just a modest-sized lake. And, but they was willing to sail this lake, so to speak. But what would happen is the snow, uh, the snow cool winds nearby from Mount Hermon frequently rolled into the lake and would clash with the warmer winds coming in from the Jordanian desert and would create these violent storms. So all of a sudden, you would be out, as they was, in the middle of the lake, going across. And you know what? I think the wind is changing. And then all of a sudden, as life does us, I didn't ask for this. And you know what? It's not going away. And then all of a sudden, no pun intended, but Lord, we're drowning here. We need some help. And then they see, and, and we're, we're, where's God? Where's God? Where's Jesus? Well, he's asleep. <laughs> he's asleep. <laughs> I'm drowning. He's asleep. But no doubt they had seen the signs, but Jesus asked them to go. That's the point. He asked them to go to the other side. That's what in anything, and believe me, I am not making light of any situation that happens to us. We believe, baptize in his name, believe what we believe, fill with his spirit. We cannot let the enemy trick us in to believe in anything that happens to us is for the wrong. No, no, God is with us. As the disciples pulled in the, pulled in the sails, we can see just like one, is there a bucket in here? Because we're going to need it. So they start trying to get the, the, the water out, the storms, the lightnings happen. All of a sudden, they're in this storm thinking, we're doing what we're supposed to do. But we're in a storm. And it's just, they're, they're just panicking. And with, with everything that's happened, they go this. They're still asleep. The Lord, he is so exhausted. They're seeing the humanity side of him. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean a whole lot to them when this is over. He is asleep. They're beginning to wonder, why is he sleeping when we're so terrified? It's like we would say in, in our situations. We live in the real world. But the Lord, the sound is deafening. I don't hear from you. But what the disciples didn't realize, God was with them the whole time. That's what we can't forget. If the sound is deafening, the spirit's inside of us. It ain't went nowhere. God may be silent sometimes, but that don't mean he's went anywhere. He's still here. So they're just wondering. And they, in, in the middle of this ship, so I, I looked up what, what the Bible refers to as the Sea of Galilee just to give us an idea of the size of it. The surface area is about 64 square miles. The maximum depth is around 160 foot. North to south is 13 miles. East to west is 7 miles. And it's 700 feet below sea level, which one thing I didn't realize, making it 
um, supposedly the lowest freshwater lake on earth. The only other body of water lower than it is the Dead Sea, and it is salt water. But Matthew 14 speaks of another great storm of when the Lord, it's also the Sea of Galilee, where the Lord comes walking on the water. And I think we should liken that to here is Jesus, but this time in Matthew 14, the Bible says Jesus compelled in other words, Jesus, you know, and I believe you'll get this. You know, if you've had children, they know what, do this. Do this. They know the difference. The Bible says Jesus compelled them. You're going to the other side. And I don't mean that cruel. He compelled them to go. So they're out there, but this time they're by themselves. And all of a sudden their storm, they're in the middle of a storm. But this time, the disciples thinking, you know, <laughs> why is he not with us? He just pointed his finger at us and says, you're going to the other side. But you know what? We're out here alone. And the, the thing I, I believe we can take from that is here is a storm that can happen in our lives. And here God comes walking on the storm. What has terrified them to death because of our flesh, here Jesus comes walking on the storm. So they're thinking, they sit, now they're still so terrified, they think it's a ghost. But here's the Lord. That is also in, in, on the Sea of Galilee. He just comes out, he tells them, and, you know, in, in the original, peace be still. But the disciples seen this, here's the Lord asleep on a pillow, and that can mean, I don't know literally if that means a pillow or a place on the boat that was referred to in the hinder part as a pillow. But he, anyway, the, uh, the disciples had put him there, but God had given them hope. And Jesus just stands up and he just says three words. Peace, be still. It, uh, that's all it was. He just, I don't know if, if God just, I don't know if anything was said before that. Here is a man so exhausted that he goes to sleep. They transfer him. He's asleep. And here's the disciples fixing to get out of hand with their words. And God just gets up and he just says, peace, be still. And it, it sees that. Now, here is what, also with the parables, here's what really got to the disciples. Is here they have seen a man that had delivered people that had demons. Here is a man that had healed the sick that had just healed so many, had touched so many people's lives. But here is where they met their crossroads. They had been taught, no one can control the sea, but only one person, and that's God. That is why you get this phrase, what manner of man is this? Because that's why I'm saying they're, they're going to see both sides. 
because they take this and they see the humanity side of him and then they're, you know. So I believe their fear even for a minute grew greater because now they realize Jesus is not who we actually was thinking he was. Of course we believe Jesus was a prophet and Jesus is good and we say Jesus is God, I, I, I suppose. And But now what we've been taught to believe, nobody controls the sea but Jehovah. And we got a man that we just put in there in the boat that was asleep and he just stands up and says three words and all of a sudden... Who have we got with us? They just feared the storm, but now they're in fear of Jesus because they don't know who they've got with them. Who have we got? What manner of man is this? So it, they're just saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who we got with us. But they take and just three short words from the lips of Jesus. When just moments before... Uh, Pardon this reference. If you watch any football, the 100,000 people, the 90,000 people, the scream and roar they make, I can't imagine what it would be like being on a sea with the wind whipping and the waves and everything and going through and, and just your own humanity gripping at you of the noise of what it must be like and then go from that to calm. And then just what it must do to them I mean, literally, what it must do to them. And then it slowly began, I believe, to dawn on them that the person in this boat with them was far more than who they thought he was because all of a sudden, what manner of man, and I believe what we can literally get from this today as Christians is in truly in our darkest hour because this I believe this is me where this is our flesh our humanity where the, his own disciples says they woke up God the silence is deafening sometimes we think God where are you at but the disciples says don't you even care so to speak that we perish our flesh can push us to say things I'm talking to the Christians that we normally wouldn't say. Disciples is talking to a man they're going to fix and realize just who he is. But Jesus just gets up and says three words. And what I, and what I want to leave with us right now is that in our darkest hour, if we can keep control of our flesh, can be our greatest moment of revelation. Because... In this hour, they just think they have got the greatest prophet they've ever seen. And then in that time, all of a sudden, they're saying to one another, what manner of man is this? So I believe truly that now, just because they had witnessed God, and now they see this man has authority. Nobody's got authority over the sea but God. So when life knocks us down and just it looks like we are at our breaking point, control this flesh, make it submit 
and let God teach us things about him that we would never know before. Because here is disciples telling us, what manner of man, when life does me that way, I want that to be my story. I want to be able to tell someone, what manner of man is this? When life said I was at my lowest, I want to be able to tell someone, this is what God done for me at the lowest hour, at the point when I didn't have an answer. But God proved himself strong. Come walking on the storm. Come there. And not when I didn't have an answer. And then when I would guard this old mouth and let God have his way. Because it's then, it's then. Because we do live in the real world. And we do have problems. But it's God that hadn't went nowhere. So he still can reveal himself to us. In our age, in the day in which we live, it's people that really has a difficult time believing that Jesus is who he said he is. You know, just the disciples was wondering, is this really God? You know, some, uh, some believe, you know, is Jesus really Jehovah manifested in the flesh? That's not us. That's what the Bible says. And so, yes, he was. He is truly who he says he is. And that's why we accept that and believe that. Uh, many believed he was God. And his humanity was just, uh, uh, just a matter of appearances. That is not so. The gospel account, such as Mark, takes pains to declare that Jesus' humanity was true humanity. His deity was true deity. And we can build a relationship with this God. That's why. The Bible says he was tempted in all points. When you look up that all points, that's literally what that means. In other words, he has lived in this flesh. Don't think you're in a situation where nobody has never, nobody understands where I'm at. That's just, pardon me, but that's just not correct. God understands where we're at, where we're, what we're doing, our mental capability, what we know, what we think, where we understand in uh, the world, the life and everything, God knows. So therefore, he was all God. He was all man. Therefore, in, in I believe in death, the, the, the trouble we have with death, Jesus, that's one thing that, that we don't never need to forget. Jesus actually died. We see him in scripture weeping at the death of someone. So I believe when we, you can read in the Old Testament, when someone died, he would tell them to mourn for them. Don't just go on as like nothing never happened. Death affects us. So we can go to God when we lose someone that we truly love. And I believe God truly understands. And then so we can see this in the humanity side of him. But I just, I just, love the humanity because I live in the humanity. But I thank God for his deity because when this humanity has had all it can take, <laughs> speak God because I want to hear. I want to hear. I want to have ears to hear. I want to hear what you know, you're saying. And the disciples did not see God out of character. His incarnation was, was God in character. He was. He was. Truly, God manifested in the flesh. Now, Jesus wept, didn't make him weak. That was his humanity. He was, uh, he was the son of God. 
and he was right. Jesus was God in the flesh. He had a heart that beat for humanity. In these accounts, we see Jesus in all his humanity. We see the humanity of, of our God. And calming the sea with Jesus, we see the human weariness was intended to give the reader a sense of what event must have been like for his disciples. And I can't imagine what it must have been like to be with them disciples, to see and to experience what they had just experienced. But what must happen when them disciples really experience that? I don't know. I don't know. But who can take the reins of the sea and just calm it? But I believe with everything that's in me, these parables like this, or, or not a parable, but I believe these situations like that are meant for his church to base that when life hits us and you think your situation is just like a storm out of control, don't think nothing can be done. And when a lot of time we live our life by what our eyes see, I'm telling you that, that can get where it really knocks you down. And I know we live in a real world, but I mean, prayer has got to be there and belief in God. Because if we live every day and judge our feeling and what we're going through on what our eyes see, it's going to get rough. It's going to get rough. But when Jesus calmed the storms, Jesus told him who he was literally before they ever seen this. He demonstrated it through the miracles, wonders. He was more than a carpenter or a rabbi or a prophet. He was divine. But they didn't see it. They knew he was a carpenter. But they followed him as a rabbi. They listened to him as a prophet. But we have the benefit of the cross we have the benefit of an empty grave, the upper room experience. But we must be careful to listen. We must be careful lest life's illnesses, disappointments, and hardships cloud our view. Is what Jesus is able to calm all the storms because he is the creator. When he speaks the waves and the winds of our storms, he is able to calm and when we are saved, that's when we have peace, we have strength. And it's not just everything is rosy all the time. I wish it was. <laughs> I truly do. But it's not. But we know the one that can calm it. At the end of the day, there was... Um, most of the time when we hear this taught, it spoke of one. But where they was going across to the man that had so many spirits, it is spoken of one. But actually in Matthew, the Bible speaks of two. It says there was two sets of eyes watching them. And when they cross the sea and get over there, here is these two men that is tormented so bad. These two people that is just, they're the ones, I know you've heard the story, about how God delivered them. The spirits went into the swine. But here they take, there was nowhere to run. But the thing 
that we notice in this, the spirits knew who Jesus was. They knowed. They knowed. Now, in closing, I want to end with this. In Mark 4 and 23. Mark 4 and 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, don't get, don't get lost in this next two verses because it is King James. Take heed what ye hear and with what measure ye meet, for it shall be measured to you. And unto you what you hear shall be more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not to, from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. I believe what God is saying is literally, how much do you value his word? How much do you value the gospel? How much do you value his plan? Because... When we come into God's presence, he actually says in his word, he said, take ye with what you hear, for with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and what you hear shall more be given. God is saying, just like unto his disciples, I believe, where they get out, the storm is ravaging them. They are so afraid. They see the divine of God at the worst time of their life. I would assume they thought they was going to die. So here is something that is opened up to them. When we come into the presence or we're having something happen to us, other words, if we, if we come into God's house, I'll do it that way, and we come in with a willing heart, those that hunger and thirst, you come in, I want to hear what thus saith the Lord. It has been said and it is so true. You may need something that will never be said across this pulpit. You do not have to go home empty. God can speak to you something that's never been said. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So therefore, when we come in and we have a willing heart, to listen and to let God lead and guide us. The Bible says when we need revelation, it can be given. And unto him that will do that, more will be given. And, and you know, but I'll go back to the humanity of Jesus. We get tired. We get weary. I'm not speaking, of, I, I, I'm not referring to that. I'm not blaming nobody if that's had hard weeks you come in here you're just exhausted I understand that I'm talking about repeatedly doing that but to come in here with a willing heart and say God speak for thy servant heareth then God said to that person I will speak and I will let them know what I want for their life and I will do that and not only that I'll do more. So I believe just as the calms uh, is going to happen and just as the storms is going to happen, it is not just pray for me that I'll withdo, you know, I'll just wear out the storm. No. Let's pray that God would give us the wisdom 
and the strength and the knowledge to know that he has the power to override the storm. Peace be still. Because that is what, and like I said, all I want to do at the end of it all is just say what manner of man is this. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. We thank you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.